Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the discovery of self has put a show away. With a thousand plus archive shows and new shows coming to you every Tuesday, we bring you illuminating people from around the globe. Visit our store for their services and books and enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Renee Davis. Now, Rene was one of these wonderful people that stood up for the revolution back in the 70s. He was out there standing up for people's rights. In Chicago in 1969, in 71 in the Civil Disobedience um, Rally with Abby Hoffman, um, following the Chicago riots where he got inj- injured, uh, you know, many, many more. He's been there fighting for the rights of others, for uh, the human race, for equality for quite some time. And it's interesting now, all these years later, how come we're still having to fight for human rights? Have we not learned anything yet? Well, clearly not, because look who you elected. I'm sorry, folks. Um, You reap what you sow, and you didn't sow a very good field here right now. And uh, the crop isn't coming up very fruitful. So how do we kind of embrace the new humanity? Um, And what is the new humanity? He says the new humanity is a movement to change the world by changing our roots. Um, and he, we're going to be talking about that book. What we can do as a humanity in coming together. There's no point in bitching and griping about it. We need to step into action. What kind of action do we need to do? No, not pitchforks, not guns, but peace, respect, harmony, kindness and love towards one another. Well, how do you transfer all of that into action that actually becomes very, very productive? So let's take this journey with him and find out what he sees we need to do today because he did this all these years ago and how come we're having to do it all over again? Welcome to the show, Rene. Yeah. I'm not sure I can answer that question. Why are we doing it all over again? Because <laughs> we don't <laughs> learn. Um, we're very, very slow learners, aren't we, you, yeah, man? I mean, you, uh, you look at technology and you look at all the advancements that we've made, but when it comes to kind of morality and this fear... Um, of you know segregation or you know disconnect or fear of other people that's still so ingrained in us that we can't seem to um, get over it, can we? No, I think I think there's a conversation that's emerging in the world that is not you don't find it in society. Civilization is not in this conversation. It takes a lot of courage in a way to even be a part of it. It's it's difficult. Uh, it 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 has it dares to look up and see that our oceans actually are dying, and and not just go into doom and gloom or conspiracy theories, but our oceans are dying and our rainforests are in peril, and we're we, we're witnessing right now the largest extinction of species in the past 65 million years is 10,000 times the normal rate over the last 10,000 years. You know, if half the large animals in a big city zoo were to perish, the whole city would be in an outrage, you know, just (laughs) screaming. Uh, But that's happening in the wild, and it's like society just wants to believe everything is fine and everything is normal. So this is a conversation that is entertaining the very challenging proposition that, you know, that it doesn't just assume that the present generation is just another generation passing through the world like every previous generation, that we're, we're not just passing through, uh, we're this... We're actually do, in fact, live in a time that is like no other. And that what we do or fail to do in the next, I would say, 20 to 25 years is going to determine the outcome. And so I guess the good news is that the, the, the number of people that are in this conversation is truly growing by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Not just the scientists who are working with climate change, uh, it, you know, it's it's professionals, it's millennials, it's Generation Z, it's women. I mean, it, it's just a huge co- constituency that currently has all been ignited in the United States by the election of Donald Trump. Well, he served that purpose. Uh, I mean, I think what he's really done is shaken things up. I mean, people are in such shock 
you know, with what he's doing. You know, there is no climate change. Let's bring back coal. Let's bring back oil, you know. Um, and I think we kind of needed that because people became complacent and they handed all the power over to everyone else. And then when those people took that power and abused it, that's only when we get, you know, up in a tizzy. But we really need to be aware of this all the time, don't we? You know, I, I, I lean in this direction like you, Sarah, that that we may look back on this very challenging time and, and quietly to ourselves acknowledge it may have been a blessing in disguise. That to form a movement that wants to change the whole world uh, is really what Donald Trump is igniting. And that may be really our best opportunity, our best possibility to take humanity's last stand as oceans rise and you know I mean there the science is now predicting a drought in the southwest part of the United States that will cause everyone who lives there to have to leave and so you you know we're we're starting to see issues that are just unimaginable to almost everyone and we're going to need to come together and I don't really see governments coping very well with what's coming. I, I see a, a movement to change the world is really the best hope right now that we have for a new leadership on the planet. I think what it is is that, as I said, we've given too much away of our own power. Um, you know, we've, we've abstained from any responsibility. You know, the people in power, they will make all the decisions for us. And we aren't looking to our own actions or inactions and you know we're, we're in this human race together this is a planet that serves everybody and everybody needs to step up and play their part in it and it isn't just handing it over and then not liking what's done it's about stepping up and saying no that's not going to be done this is what we are going to do as a human race to save humanity and this planet yeah well I I, I agree you know one of my hopes is to invite Generation Z and Millennials to really look at themselves. That, that I mean, does a minority of American voters have elected a president who is attempting to roll back the work of all the governments on the planet relative to climate change, and and so. When you have a country with that, you know, is under under five percent of the whole world population, and you have a world where over half are under the age of twenty-five, who who does legitimately represent the future of yeah. of the of our planet? And I would say that it's really a young generation that really carries a mantle of legitimacy the morality, the constitutional right to basically rise to the occasion and completely write a new human story for the planet. You know, it's interesting because, you know, during the election, you know, Bernie Sanders, who's, you know, what, 74, was the biggest leader of the millennials. Yeah. And, and because he transcends age, you know, race, religion, I mean, he's really a, a common sense kind of guy that yeah. holds people accountable for their actions and I think I often say that you know mama needs to step back in I call him the papa but mama needs to step back in and say uh-uh I don't like this behavior it's got to change right yeah I, I agree I, th I think the, the women's march the day after the inauguration is one of the great shining lights of our time and that they're, you know, out of that is really developing a, a network of people and the a, the part of our movement right now that goes to Republican town hall meetings and is showing up with this relentless congressional advocacy uh, is really inspiring thousands of women to really seriously take to heart and consider running for office. And I, I believe we will see a great wave of new female leadership emerging out of our movement. I completely agree there. And I think it is that kind of, for a while there it was women having to become 
almost masculine to enter into the man's world. And now I think what we're seeing is, is that women are creating their own world. And we're telling the men of the world, if you want to do business with us, if you want to do anything with us, you need to step up your game. And respect and dignity and uh, good listening skills are required. Yes, I agree. So how do you see this being different? You know, because, you know, you're a huge advocate. You know, tell people a little bit about the 69 Chicago um, you know, the riots and what you were fighting for right then and, and how you see what kind of fight it is today. You know, it's obviously taken on a different face. Well, in 1968, when the Democratic Party was uh, managing the war in Vietnam, uh, I was the coordinator of the largest anti-war and civil rights coalition of, of that time. And we uh, decided to go to Chicago uh, we, I believe that we would have 500,000 people, you know, uh, protesting the war. Then the events occurred where, you know, candidates running against the war were successful in primaries, and the mayor of Chicago decided not to grant permits uh, to the upset of the Justice Department and actually the administration in Washington. They, the long and short of it was our numbers were reduced, but police just came into parks where demonstrators were assembled and club people, you know, while the whole world was watching on television. It wasn't just the demonstrators, it was newsmen covering the story, people sitting on porch porches, you know, in the north side of Chicago, you know, they were clubbed <laughs> too. And so there was actually a study that uh, evaluated who caused the riots in Chicago uh, and it concluded it, it was a police riot. They laid blame at the mayor's step, you know. But it was an event that was watched on television by more people than watched the first man landing on the moon and it changed the whole country. Before that event, a majority of, of the public, according to Gallup, uh, supported the war in Vietnam and after that one demonstration a majority had shifted over to the position of the anti-war movement to to bring the troops home um, so I you know I was in the 60s from the beginning and to, to the end and uh, looking back on the that whole time I I have to say that movements are a rare social phenomena I mean they certainly have happened in the past but they're rare, and, and when they happen, they can be like an avalanche that takes out walls. I mean, you think about the Renaissance took out a feudal order, and the American Revolution, you know, really dismantled a, a colonial empire trying to set up in this country. And the 60s, of course, were just, you know, I mean, we it certainly didn't solve the problems, as you pointed out, but... You know, it really did end the blatant, you know, racial segregation culture in this country. We we forget how bad it was. I mean, black people were just lynched, you know, mm. with with impunity, without any worry at all that anyone would, would go to jail. Uh, you know, in the early sixties, this those are situations. So, uh, the sixties certainly gave rise to. You know, gender equality and, and a, you know, just a, just a whole new culture and view of things. Now with the election of Trump, we have an, an ignition of a movement that right now, I mean, it, it's, it's the very earliest days, and yet it's already larger than the Renaissance, the American Revolution, and the, and the 60s combined. And it actually is going to consist of three natural affinities or components and we're only seeing one of them right now so the one that we're seeing right now is you know is the women's march and and uh, you know thousands of communities turning out for republican town hall meetings and uh, you know it's a it's a i call the first this first component the resist and reform movement mm -hmm. but there's another component Bernie Sanders, you know, calls it the political revolution movement. It, it's a 
it's willing to stand up to extreme wealth stratification and it's actually willing to go to jail for its beliefs so we haven't seen this yet in the current today in the current movement i mean i'm talking about large scale civil disobedience following in the footsteps of martin luther king and and mahatma gandhi um, I believe we'll see this second component, the political revolution movement, ignite around sanctuary cities. Uh, the, the cities will set up, you'll see churches, for example, where you know an immigrant family comes to the church hoping to be protected. But when you know ICE police show up with the warrant and have taken the legal steps to go into that church, uh, the the current the current first phase of the movement won't will you know they they'll be arrested that's what will happen you know and that's going to bring people out of the woodwork uh, in the thousands hundreds of thousands I I see really a time coming when three four hundred thousand people sit in the offices of every single Republican. Uh, in Congress, who's complicit in what's this attack on the fabric of the nation? Um, I personally coordinated and helped to organize the largest civil disobedience arrests in American history in 1971, and I feel very confident that that record will be broken by by what's coming. But that is yet to ignite. Now, there's a third component that's also everybody is here. I mean, in the in the tens of millions, literally, it it has its roots at the very end of the '60s when you may remember the Beatles went off to yeah. India to learn a meditation, and many political activists, as you know, the '60s was winding down. It was clearly coming to, you know, it was coming to a closure, and people went into nature and you know formed communes and communities and learn something about survival skills and quite honestly many took stock of themselves and you know I can't tell you the hundreds of people who just sat under a tree and tried to quiet their brain chatter you know? yeah. and some of them experienced a knowingness that they had never known before you know like suddenly they had a knowingness about something in which they were curious so whatever the, your view about that, it still, it really did exist and has been going on for decades. And it is now a critical mass. It's ne certainly never been here in any previous movement. Uh, but this is the component that I'm calling it the New Humanity uh, Movement. It's, it's a component that's going to be setting up community that are independent of the unsustainable global civilization and are bringing in new technologies and and a completely new way of living uh, it it's really to the trump voters facing food insecurity it's going to be the it's going to be the the cherished quality of people <laughs> in our movement because it you know it, it has solutions that that Agriculture doesn't have, no industry has it. I, I don't really see it in any government on earth. I mean, for example, this year, 25 million acres of topsoil just blew away. In, the, in China, the amount of topsoil that blew away versus the natural replenishment was 57 to 1. This is utterly unsustainable. It's unsustainable what's happening in the United States, too. It's not even viewed as a crisis that the foundation of civilization is blowing away. We, I mean, we just have no, we're, we're clueless about how serious this is. And the one component of people that actually would know how to stop 25 million of acres of topsoil blowing away is the New Humanity Movement. It, it contains that know-how right now. And it, it has the ability to live and thrive in a local community without destroying the planet right now and so all I can say is watch and see I mean as as this uh, this cascade of troubling events just grows and grows the new humanity is going to emerge and will be 
uh, an important component of this three-stage movement. My hope is that we will support each other. We have different affinities. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that or even arguing one over the other. I'm just saying we really need all three. And the most important thing is that we not turn on each other. Yeah, that is the most important thing. And I think when fundamentally when you look down to, to at the core of everything, you know, what people want is, you know, they, they want security. They want to know they can put food on the table, the roof over the head, protect their families, live a good life, you know, be respected, find love. Um, you know, that's the human condition. And I think if we can get over our differences and start looking at our common denominators, we realize we are that human race and that we need to come together. A village is only as strong as everybody's participation and everybody has a different role to play in that village. But if the real village doesn't support each other, it's going to lay victim to those elements, both you know, outside and, and earth. Um, we really do have to, at this point, put our petty differences aside and realize that if we don't come together, it's all going to fall apart. Well, I, I really agree with you. I, I also have, over years of experience, come to appreciate the challenge of that. E every single movement in history uh, has faced a, a problem, a challenge. I, I call it the people problem. Yeah. You bring a group together, an organization, a movement, a, a community, a local community, and and it you know has an inspiring vision, change the world you know, <laughs> and and so into that, it, let's say there's a community of of 200 people, and into that community comes five people who are just really tightly bound to their drama and their trauma, yeah. and and they cannot let go of it, you know, and so the community doesn't have one person who just throw them out <laughs> you know it, it's trying to operate by consensus you know so a consensus community it, you know if they're really lucky they'll solve this problem in three years and in the meantime the oxygen of the room is just sucked out and so we've spent years creating a very unique and inspiring approach to that issue. How, how do we deal with a people problem without imposing on anybody? And we've come up with a, uh, a system of 13 principles that we've tested over and over again with just amazing results. These are universal principles. You know, collaboration and respect and being calm-centered and things like that are, are, are not really controversial concepts, but the what, the, what they really mean really invites a new stage of awareness. And so this is a, the New Humanity Training basically is a 13-month program to basically fully understand the profound meaning of each principle and to take it into your daily life. You actually, we have a little stack of cards and we shuffle the cards and pick a principle for the day read a one-page write-up, and then everybody just does their day, you know, whatever they were going to do anyway. But now they're, they're living that day with this principle. And we have seen over and over again the ability to just literally transform awareness and, and watch people come together as a family. It's beautiful. And the person that can't let go of their drama trauma, they're either going to change or they're going to leave without anybody having to say anything. Right. <laughs> it's really kind of cool. So, so I did want to mention to your viewers that we're, we're developing, we're going to offer a new humanity training program on April 29th. Um, and uh, I, I get, I, you have a link right to that, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah. So people can get that from you if, you know, if people are curious and learning about it. There's a, this is all information brand new to the world. This is hard to imagine that anything could be new, but the new humanity actually is emerging at this time. And it is a critical mass of people on a journey to evolve. And this is all information brand new to the world. I mean, I, I'm just going to give you one quick example, but there's hundreds, okay? Uh, I don't know any movement 
or spiritual practice or tradition or religion that has ever taught a person how to turn off the outer cortex of the adrenal glands that sit on top of the two kidneys and stop the secretion of a dark yellow hormone that is in fact the chemistry of fear. How do you turn off the chemistry of fear in your own body and then turn on the chemistry of dopamine and serotonin and do it consciously? So this this is I mean this is just breathtaking to imagine for all the people that are dealing with you know addictions and you know chemical imbalances and bipolar conditions mm-hmm. and so forth. you know this is a beautiful thing that is being brought uniquely by the new humanity into the world at this time and this is what we do in this training you know you really learn the details of this we're looking to kind of connect with enablers and organizers and leaders of the new humanity to, to truly uh, develop this understanding that's coming in. Our aim really is to build a new nation on earth that's literally rooted in a new way of living. And and so it's, it's really about changing ourselves, you know, deeply and profoundly in order to change the world. Well, we know that what we've been doing hasn't worked because we're constantly on this war cycle. Um, you know, on this, uh, you know, money and power is is, is the be all and the end all. Uh, you know, greed and uh, dis- um, discontent. Um, you know, as a nation, we're hungry. And what we're hungry for is not just the food, but we're hungry for purpose. We're hungry yeah. for a meaningful purpose. We're hungry for community. We're hungry for love and kindness and and uh, a reason for us being here. And, uh, you know, we need to step into that now. It's not something that's given to you. It's something that's intricately within you. But you've got to be willing to take the journey to bring it out in you. And that means reprogramming. So, you know, what you're talking about with the, with the, with the glands and everything is like reprogramming our DNA. You know, reprogramming um, ourselves from the inside out. Changing that constant pattern of destruction that we're in a loop on. And realizing that there is another path that we can take, but we can't do that if we're still working on the old program. Yeah. Well, I really celebrate what you're saying, Sarah. I I, I really agree. You know, history says that the darkest hour is just before the dawn, and there's no question that humanity is being enveloped by, uh, you know, a sweeping fear and divide. But at the same time, uh, it really does seem to be the dawn of a new humanity. There's this, you know, critical mass of people that are, you know, in celebration and, you know, are doing what you're saying. The, the thing is, is that that group also needs support. Yes. So, uh, you know, like, I mean, you can say, well, we need to reprogram our DNA, but you tell me how you do that exactly. And when you realize that you don't really know how to do that exactly, you know, mm-hmm. then I would invite you to come to our training. You know, that's we, we will learn how to reprogram the physical mitochondria DNA actually, how you actually can do that. And so th- this is, it, I know, it feels like the universe is supporting the human race to grow and evolve at, at its most difficult and challenging time. It's something really beautiful, and you know this. What I'm saying really does exist. If people go to the link, they can read all about it, and they'll get their own sense of whether this is, you know, you know, accurate or not, and and whether they align with it or not, you know. So. Um, well, the the link is triple w dot newhumanitybook dot com slash forward dawn new humanity, and we'll give it again at the end of the hour. Um, yes, I, I know um, with the 1800 shows we have here on selfdiscoveryradio.com, um, there are many people that, you know, um, uh, have stepped into this realm through a lot of scrutiny, you know, and a lot of, a lot of judgment from humanity, but, you know, are uh, dealing with the mitochondria, dealing with DNA, uh, dealing with quantum energy, dealing with um, uh, the reprogramming of the people because they realize, you know, this is movement in itself. Um, yes. You know, people that are realizing that we are so much more than just the matter, the containment that we're in, 
Um, the beautiful complexity within this can be very simple if you actually understand what's going on. Um, and the willingness, the willingness to go in and change those things that are needed. There's no point in just saying, I'm miserable. I don't like my life. I don't have a meaningful purpose. If you're not willing to step up and do what is necessary to discover what your purpose is, discover how you can serve humanity and how you can truly find that joy and that meaningful, uh, beautiful love of life. But it, it's not you sitting on the couch moaning about it. It's you stepping into action and doing something about it. Yeah, well, that's beautifully said. Really, thank you. So the movement that we're seeing right now is on so many levels. It's on a soul level, a heart level, a spirit level, um, you know, um, a complete change of thought level. Um, you know, we need to take all of that and put it into action. Um, and that action is really participation, isn't it? Um, we need to participate in our own lives, in our society's life, um, in this global environment, because we're never going to do anything to solve anything, you know, from the couch. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I think we all have our natural affinities. I mean, there are, you know, most people today that are showing up in protests and demonstrations are in that first resistance or reform movement component, and and those that are drawn to, to just you know, join in. I We have a training program for that segment of the movement uh, because lots of people still don't quite know where to go or how mm -hmm. to hook up. And so uh, I'm working with uh, two authors of a of a book that has taken the, the indivisible manual that, you know, is fairly, it's a tactical manual on how to do this and turn it into a very detailed, comprehensive understanding of all the steps and everything that's involved and how to, you know, how, how do you, how do you really basically, it's, you can't just show up at a Republican town hall meeting and there's press to take into right. account and permits sometimes are needed if you're outside. And, and so all the ins and outs of that are, you know, being put together in a training program for that. Then, uh, you know, I'm also working with Black Lives Matter and Bobby Seale, who was the chairman of the Black, is the chairman of the Black Panther Party and uh, Democracy Spring, which has led some recent civil disobedience groups uh, to develop a, uh, you know, to offer a training program in the, in the second category, the political revolution movement. We had this in the 60s, but not so much yet today. Mm -hmm. uh, this will really strengthen the backbone and the courage of the, of the first component of our movement when this second wave comes in. I mean, the organizations are all here, but it has not ignited yet into a movement. And then the third training I just mentioned, the New Humanity Training, all of these are just, you know, support systems to uh, bring uh, these, the all three components into full ignition and full power uh, with, with, you know, the kind of understanding and experience that is so useful and helpful to, 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 to do it well and do it maturely. Yeah, and, you know, maturely, that's the big word, is that, you know, um, one of my favorite songs right now is Rise Up by Andrea Day. And, uh. you know, it's not rise up with pitchforks. Um, you know, it's rise up arm in arm support. You know, let's, let's form this hands around the world movement of support of each other. And, you know, we don't want a political movement that ends up in rioting and ends up in hate. You know, what I'm seeing so much on social media is you know it's black against white no it isn't it's it's the ternary against humanity no matter what the color is yes the black movement of getting a raw deal when we see you know police after police shooting kids and people for no reason um when we're seeing the um they're in jail for the minimal things that a white person would get off this i understand the outrage but the moment we start kind of pitching one color against the other all we're doing is feeding the anger, feeding the fear, and we're not going to resolve anything. So we really need to, to look at this as being an educated, peaceful movement because we will gain more momentum and more answers and more support that way than quite essentially coming out with the pitchforks and the hate towards one another. 
Yeah, I, I, I really agree with you. You know, we, we had uh, leadership and voices for a nonviolent philosophy in the 60s. Uh, you know, and it wasn't just Martin Luther King. I mean, uh, John Lewis, who was at that time, uh, you know, a, a major player in, an, in a youth organization called the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. The, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee was committed to nonviolence. Students for a Democratic Society, which was a, a radical student youth group, was committed to nonviolence. We had a coalition of 150 national organizations working together to do things that we could never do on our own. Yeah. And, and every single organization was firmly committed to a nonviolent philosophy. We, we don't have that today. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a huge issue yet, but without leadership and marshals showing up at demonstrations trained in this and so forth, it can easily become a, you know, you know you're doing a demonstration and all of a sudden they're just a small group that run off and break business windows. Yeah. And you, you lose, you know, so support across the country yeah. when that occurs. So. Well, I mean, look, you know, what happened recently, you know, two, million, uh, two million women are walking in peace together, you know, against, yeah. I mean, it, it can be done. And, it you know, it gains the respect of people around the world so much more. Um, yeah. You know, um, you know, you worked with John Lennon, you know, who's the epitome of peace. Um, right. And, you know, we need a few more John Lennons to step up there. And we do have those celebrities. We do have those people that are out yes. there that are, that are writing songs, that are writing poetry, that are speaking out. And, uh, you know, the more that we unite those voices together in harmony and create a symphony, the more we're going to resonate that music, um, you know, to make the movement really be invited. And, of course, you know, Bernie was just a wonder in the way he gathered that movement. And we need to still be behind him and unite with him because of what he's doing. Yeah. Well, sign me up. <laughs> have you met Bernie Sanders? Uh, you know, I actually haven't. I'm, I'm on. I'm on my way to meeting him, though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you definitely need works. to. Yes, you <laughs> definitely need to because you know he is. He is kind of in a, in a lot of ways that John Lennon right now. You know, yeah. he, he's a peaceful but no nonsense man. He's played a really great role. He really has. So. Yeah, and gained so much respect. Uh, and you know, really, what we want at the end of the day. We don't need, you know, somebody coming in with force and winning the battle with force. We want to to be about empowerment and liberty and freedom and dignity, you know, respect and uh, camaraderie and kindness and love. Um, those are the weapons of choice, aren't they? Yes, they are, definitely. So what would you invite... The, the disgruntled person out there right now that I've had many many a show where people uh, you know they're Jewish or you know I've got African Muslim on this week um, you know that are uh, that are gay you know and they say they really are scared um, you know they're or the immigrants and they really are scared um, but they're going to stand tall you know in, in their freedom and defend it what would you say how would you invite them to be a part of this uh, new humanity right now in and overcoming that fear and stepping into their own empowerment. Well, you know, we need each other. You know, when you're a family facing, you know, the breakup of your family because, you know, the dad is being deported, but everyone else is sort of so-called okay, uh, and you're by yourself. I mean, it, it's it's. I don't know. I have a solution. You know, I would say come to the New Humanity training. <laughs> we learn about fear-free and things like that internally. What we really need now, though, is the second component to, to develop. We need support for sanctuary cities. And, and it's, 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 it's fantastic that the state of California and city mayors and, uh, you know, really institutions are, are declaring their cities to be yeah. sanctuary cities. But I... Uh, my concern really is that the federal government is going to come crashing through the 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 uh, 
you know, the statements. Statements aren't going to be sufficient, you know. If you have a church where there's some, you know, families of immigrants staying in the church and and police are determined to come in and they have warrants to come in, you know, that the, the present mindset is not going to resist that. What we need is 25,000 people around that church, every one of them ready to go to jail. Right. That's, what, that's what's needed. That will make a difference. And that that's really my focus right now is to, is to help develop that component, the political revolution component of our movement. We need that in place. And that's going to you know, be uh, encouraged by events but it's also going to take organization and infrastructure as well. Uh, you know, I count David Archibald, uh, the chief of the Sioux tribe, uh, with uh, water protectors as as a part of this. There's there's really Black Lives Matter and Democracy Spring are two other organizations that are are rooted in this. But we we need now to to ignite into a movement. Organizations yeah. are not sufficient. Uh, this needs to move out into the thousands and thousands. The of hands people. around the world, yeah. Everybody needing to, to lock uh, on. Uh, even though it's, it sounds uh, ambitious, it's really right before us to do it. I, I, I have no question that we're going to be able to do this. And that, uh, I mean, everybody right now would say the story of our time is the election of Donald A. Trump, except maybe myself. I say the story of our time is ourself. Yeah. A movement to change the world is going to re-script the whole thing. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Okay, it, we're we're in for a long. We're not going back to normal anytime soon. But but the ability of an entire generation, like the '60s to actually come together and write a new history is really in our hands right now. We can do this, and I'm very confident that we will. We really don't want to go back to a normal because we know that normal is dysfunctional. You know, <laughs> we really want to create a new norm, don't we? You know, we, we really want it to be where, you know, caring for one another, you know, kindness and love is a common denominator. I, I may disagree with you, but I'm not going to hate you because of that. Um, yeah. You know, I don't care what the color of your skin is. I'm looking to the character of your soul and your integrity. Uh, you know, we really need to change the way we look at each other and at everyone else. You know, one of the big questions I'm raising here is, how do we reach the police? You know, how do we reach... Because, you know, a lot of the police are, have become gangs, if you know what I mean, thugs in oh. uniform. How right. do we reach their consciousness? Uh, for them to know that, yes, this may be your job, but beating on people for just wanting to be secure um, is inhumane. How do we reach them? Because they're part of the problem. Yes, the people that, that give them the, the, the instruction are the root of the problem, but they are taking out the action. How do we peel, appeal to their humanity not to take this action when it's putting people at risk? Yeah, I believe that what we need is we need a firm hand and we need a receptive heart, both kind of <coughs> able to function when, whenever, whichever one is appropriate at the time. So, you know, when a, when a black man is shot down, you know, indiscriminately by a police officer, the, it's, it's, I mean, we need thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to absolutely put pushback on that. And, you know, that may mean going to jail. That may mean, you know, just shutting down the police, the entire police department that, from which that one policeman came. Yeah. Uh, and so that strength must be there. Uh, and it doesn't come from, you know, and it doesn't come from a government. It comes from a movement. But at the same time, there can really be discussions with with that police department and the community. The, the community can invite an open forum where basically we, they talk openly about the culture and it isn't an attack, it's really an attempt to find those individual policemen who do exist, who actually agree that, that 
that a police and a community need to be tightly bound and support each other. And there needs to be a culture of trust and mutual respect, you know, not a racist attitude that, you know, because you're black, you're, you can be a victim. Uh, and so we, we have supporters in every police department right now. And if we can have a strong pushback combined with a willingness to really spend time on culture building, I think the combination can, can start to really take an effect on police departments across the United States. Yeah, we need to remind them that they're a human first and not to hide behind the, the, the shield. Uh, just because you are police does not give you the right um, that there still has to be justice. Um, and, you know, that's really, really important for that. I, um, I did a little story a while ago of a, an undercover cop here in uh, BC, Canada. And uh, he went as an undercover, as a, a, a person in a, peel, a wheelchair, uh, like a paraplegic, because in that community, a lot of people who were disabled were being, the homeless disabled were being hit on and the stuff stolen from him. And he didn't let anybody in the community know who he was or what he was doing. He was blown away by the kindness from the people from the street, from the people from the community that would bring him food, that would protect him, that were there for him. And he said that it changed his an entire outlook on that community where it looked at, you know, kind of, the homeless as dregs and drug addicts, he saw them in a totally different light and formed a totally different relationship. Perhaps we need to see our police force actually get back on the beat, walk around and meet their community and find out what their need is to be protected and not be fearing the police and the gangs because where do they turn to now? No, I, I really agree. I always think about, well, how exactly is that going to happen? Besides, you know, nice words that, that we can all agree to, it should happen, you know. I believe a movement to change the world, that's my phrase, it is really where it becomes possible to see transformational change take place. It requires a lot of us. It requires our, our maturity, our leadership, having infrastructure. And, and it requires that we do, in fact, have many tens of millions of people on board with us to change yeah. change a country but that's now in place it's at an early stage there's much to be done but the the initial ignition for this to happen has has now taken place and we are all here so there's nothing really stopping us but ourselves now we we just need to go forward and do exactly what you're suggesting and the thing is, is that we can choose our platform. I choose, you know, uh, radio blogging. My station stands for that, you know, that right to be um, and to step into your own humanity. Um, we can find a platform. Maybe you, you might be a blogger. Maybe you might be a podcaster. Maybe you, you, you could be, you know, a magazine or newspaper writer. Uh, maybe you're just an advocate, you know, within your community. We can all find a platform that we, we feel comfortable in but it's stepping into something, isn't it? It's not abstaining and watching everybody else do it. This is your planet too. This is your country too. And if you want to see the change, you've really got to be a part of it. And you're inviting them to be a part of that. Um, and they can choose how, but they've just got to step up. Right, exactly. Yeah. A little organization goes a long ways too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, as you said, coming together, um, yep. you know, I bring people like you together here on Self-Discovery Radio and, uh, you know, people that are in their own way of creating a movement. I'm going to be having you back on our Eco Solution show where we're going to be talking about your technology and what it means to humanity. Um, technology is a huge key in the advancement of humanity. Um, and the way that we use it, in the way that it feeds us, in the way that it can sustain us. Um, and we need to really be open to these new technologies and what they can bring. So how about giving us a little teaser for that show of what kind of technologies you're going to be talking about? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, I'm in a very narrow niche of technology development. I've been there for over 30 years. Uh, what I'm talking about is... I used to 
try to explain this by describing Mozart, who at age six, his hands would fly across a page, uh, and, you know, the first draft was the only draft, and it would, you know, produce a sonata that would stand before the critics for 300 years. How, how exactly is he doing that? No, <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. everybody says, well, he's a child prodigy, but which he is, but he's, there's also, he has help. There's something coming into him. Mm-hmm. So my inventors, for the, for the most part, are all like Mozart. They get information. They they wake up at three in the morning. It's not like a a hunch or an intuition that they might build something. They have a full blown engineering design that's just been downloaded into them, and it did not come from their brain. So it's a, it's a very rare niche that, and most of these inventors struggle to find any recognition. Most of them just go to their grave with their invention. So over a long period of time, I put together 20 projects that, uh, these are breakthrough technologies. I mean, by that, I mean, you know, a, a discovery that if it were to be commercialized would change the daily life and basic understanding of, of everybody in the world. Uh, I mean, to give, I know, I'll give one example, okay? So we, we have a, we make a, a, a mold out of steel for a building block. It could be a paver, a cinder block, a tongue and groove, any, anything you can design. We put into the to the block, or, or into the mold rather, you know, pretty much anything at all. I mean, any industrial waste, things from the rant, landfill, glass, uh, you know, uh, sea ash <laughs> from burning coal, uh, dirt from the ground is fine. And it goes into a device that produces such a heavy, uh, shocking impact that we don't know for sure. We've seen the material inside fluidize. I theorize that the atomic bonds let go. Uh, so we have a currently a commercial machine that produces eight blocks every two minutes. And when they come out, they can be twice the strength of cement. And there's no cement in them. Right. But we could replace all cement with the waste of the world. And uh, it can be localized, too, or put on a truck and driven into a remote area. Uh, and so it provides a new way of building without uh, relying on the rainforest or cement or, you know, really any of the tools that we use right now. Oh, uh, cutting down the forest, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a wide range of things in the energy area, too, that uh, they're not really solar. They're, they're, I mean, I have solar things, too, but, you know, solar, wind, and the things that everybody knows about is not what I mean. You know, I'm talking about a little device that I can hold in my hand that produces all the electricity is necessary for a 5,000-square-foot home, and it basically costs nothing at all. And the, I'm saying the, this exists. This really does exist. It, there's resistance to this in certain quarters. Well, but yeah, political. Times, times are changing, and so uh, we're just going to come out with it. Uh, you know, start making it available. Probably just make it available on the internet and give it away. Um, you know, uh, we we have a design to build a community that can showcase a new way of living on Earth where there's nothing in it at all that's unsustainable and has complete independence from everything outside. It's totally self-contained within itself and yet it's not hardship and struggle. It's, 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 you can live and thrive in abundance. And uh, we have all the know-how to do this. We're looking at property right now to acquire and to and to build a showcase so that we would have training videos and, and support systems for any region on earth that's struggling to cope to show them how they could actually live and thrive you know, in a completely new way. Uh, my hope really is that we become the viable option to an unsustainable global economy. Uh, the, the entire global economy is unsustainable and there really is 
almost nothing that we do that does not have to change to have a future on this planet. The, the human effect is is basically ending life on the planet, and at the end of the day, it's really threatening the human race itself, although we we just don't have the awareness to really understand that this is coming or what's coming. So, uh, climate change is more than real. It's going to arrive in the present generation. And, and the change is going to be sweeping. It will not be modest. And no, so, we're going to build a new nation based on a new way of living that can support humanity in the greatest adventure of all time. Yeah, and, and actually this is what this whole movement is about, isn't it? It isn't just about human rights. It is about, you know, bringing in those new technologies that gives us the sustainability. I am going to introduce you to a few people um, that I think you really should know um, because you're both okay. in similar movements and uh, most certainly is a connection. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited to do that show on Eco Solutions with you on your technologies. And, you know, talking about that knowingness that you were talking about earlier, you know, people that are, are the conduits for the knowledge. Tesla was one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually have worked for the last few years with somebody else who has invented a couple of technologies purely through tapping into that knowingness. And, uh, you know, that whether it's technology, whether it's inventions or not, if, if we just get into that place where we can trust that knowingness, um, you know, open up and, and let that uh, channeling come in, uh, we will always know what we need to know at the time that we need to know it and uh, be guided and we won't feel alone. Um, I really have enjoyed this conversation with you and I really am looking forward to the next one on the technology. But uh, right now, for people to sign up to, to take this, uh, you know, humanity movement course, to get the book, to just even be a part of it or start asking questions, can you give your link again, please, love? Yes, uh, to, to find out about, uh, there's three books called The New Humanity, A Movement to Change the World. The first book is ready. And you can uh, learn about that along with protest guides and training programs at newhumanitybook.com. If you're interested in the New Humanity training, this is really you know, a, a support system for a new stage of awareness. Uh, this is the group of people that are dedicated to building an, an, a new way of being on Earth. That is called. That link is newhumanitybook.com forward slash dawn new humanity. Wonderful, and you know, it, a lot of the time people don't want to get involved because they're afraid of, you know, the brutality. You know, like here's a picture for of you. You know, where you got bludgeoned. You know, during, you know, uh, and, you know, people, you know, automatically, I don't want to go and get hurt. You can understand that. Maybe have families and things like that. Um, but, you know, by going through this, this program with you, they'll learn how they can actually empower their voice, what they can do, you know, without necessarily putting themselves on the front line or putting themselves in harm. Um, yeah. You know, and that's important to do. You know, people want to speak out, but they're afraid of how to do it. And, of course, with you, you're able to train them on exactly how to do that while protecting themselves. Yes, exactly. And if people want to be in touch with you, it's uh, Renee at uh, ReneeDavis.com? Right. Excellent. Well, I'm yeah. having you back on in a couple of weeks with the Eco Solution Show, uh, where we're going to be talking about your technologies. I do think that, you know, the new technologies and humanity is, is going to be our next hand in hand. There are so many brilliant technologies out there. I recently did one on an uncovering of a Bosnian pyramid, which uh, was thousands of thousands of years old, that in the last 11 years they have discovered such miraculous um, things about it. And one of them is that these pyramids were placed around the world that were then going to be channeling up to the universe to provide free energy for this planet. Um, and of course, governments don't want to know about it because let's face it, they're in the pockets with all the other energy where they make money and they don't want to go against those industries and it is time what we step up and say no no more we're not going back to coal we're not going back to the dark ages we're not going back to women pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen times <laughs> are changing and no if you want to be my ruler step up to my vibration because i'm not lowering myself to yours yes 
<laughs> Thank you so much for being with us here today. And as I said, look forward to the next show, which will be in a couple of weeks, folks. Listen to us here on uh, selfdiscoveryradio.com under the Eco Solutions. You'll see when he's coming up. And we're going to find out more about these technologies and what they can mean to the humanity. Thank you so much, Rene, for being with us here today. Thank you, Sarah. Until next time, folks, remember, you have the answers. You are part of the answer. I'm afraid you can't sit this one out. You're a human being, part of humanity, and we need you. Until next time, folks. <laughs>